frightening and exciting that when the Holy Spirit makes a way for the Word of God. Throughout the worship, I had a picture of um, a curling like you get at the Winter Olympics. You know, and they go down, they put the stone down there. And I could see these people frantically sweeping to clear things out of the way. And I believe that during the time of worship, the reason we worship is not to get healed, the reason we worship is because He is worthy. But in that, I believe the Holy Spirit has been sweeping a path. And if we can keep our spirits gentle and soft, then I believe that we could receive something from God himself this morning. I I genuinely believe that. We're going to do something incredible now. We're going to pray to the living God. Let's close our eyes and let's pray. Holy Spirit, turn our eyes from ourselves and turn them to Jesus. Lord, it's not my efforts or my words, but it's only Jesus that can give rest to our souls. Gracious Father, teach us today. Take your place as head of this church. Help my faltering words to be used by your gracious Holy Spirit to set us free. Man's words are inadequate, but your Holy Spirit is the greatest, glorious teacher. Father, lead us today to the word of God, Jesus Christ himself. For he is the rock that is higher than I. Our sufficiency, Lord God, is solely in you alone. Amen. We've started a series on the kingdom of God. Fundamentally, the kingdom of God is God's sovereign rule and his reign. God's kingdom is not geographic in that sense, but it's a description of God's sovereign rule and reign. There are three ways that scripture refers to the kingdom of God. Firstly is God's reign. Secondly is the realm we enter in the blessings of his reign. And thirdly is a future realm, which we heard about earlier, which we will come into when Jesus returns and we will enter the full sovereign rule and experience of God. That's going to be glorious. But we're also praying, let your kingdom come on earth. That's going to be pretty glorious too. Where there's a kingdom, there's a king. You only get one guess. Who's the king? Jesus. That's right. Very good. (laughs) I'm in the right church. That's a relief. And while he was on earth as a man, although he was fully God, Jesus came as a man. His disciples asked him, said, Lord, how do we pray? So what we're going to look at is we're going to look at two scriptures um, of what is known as the Lord's Prayer, um, very much from the point of view of thy kingdom come. So firstly, you'd like to turn to Matthew chapter 6, starting halfway through verse 8. Nothing annoys the devil like the rustle of Bibles being opened or fingers wiping down the side of your phones. 
So Matthew chapter 6, halfway through verse 8. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. I must be disciplined, but there's something to look at. Pray then like this. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil or the evil one. Then flick over to Luke chapter 11. We just get another perspective, another view on what Jesus said. And in Luke 11, verses 1 to 4, it says this. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And Jesus said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. It's interesting because up until that point, the only framework that the disciples had was the, uh, the synagogues where the Pharisees and Sadducees were all praying these grandiose prayers and John John the Baptist. They'd seen, they said, teach us how to pray, how John the Baptist taught his disciples to pray, because they saw there was an intimacy. John knew God, but there was an intimacy between Jesus and God. And God wants us to have intimacy, not formality. Many of us were brought up in churches, a lot have had good things about them, but sometimes with prayer it was formality and not intimacy. This really spoke to me because I think a number of us within this church and those that will come to us here as a church will come from all different streams, all different experiences of prayer. Some will be very strict. You must do this. You must do that. You must confess. And others, it's very free. And I just sit on Jesus's lap and tell him how I feel. Because with Jesus, it's not about religious prayer. It's not about a formula. John the Baptist was a godly man. He was a good bloke. He did a great job. But he knew there was something more about Jesus. And he himself, in John 1, 29, 23, he says, look, disciples of mine, Jesus, he's the Lamb of God. He's the one you want to follow. Maybe in the past you've prayed with good motives. Lord, my kids are sick. Can you help me? Or, Lord, I'm in terrible trouble. Help me. Or I'm in this religious gathering and I must pray properly. But I believe that Jesus wants to teach some of us to pray again. To learn it's about intimacy with God. And prayer coming from that point. Jesus, teach us to pray. But what's the first thing Jesus says? He doesn't say, okay guys, the first thing you must pray is, let your kingdom come. Let's really get stuck in. He doesn't do that. He says, Father. He says, Our Father. Matthew Henry, in his commentary, says this about our Father who art in heaven. Before we come to our business, 
there must be a solemn address to him with whom our business lies. We can rush in with our requests to God when actually it's firstly about our relationship with God and recognising that he's our Father. Before we start praying, your kingdom come, it was Jesus' priority to see God as his Father, a king and a God who is approachable. This was radical, unspeakably radical to the disciples that you could call God Father. He was approachable. He was a God who was approachable, and Jesus was demonstrating that. God's fatherhood is a great security to us, a fantastic security to us. And poor earthly fathering has robbed so many of the glorious joy of experiencing God as a father. And Jesus does not shy away from that. And as I've been preparing, I believe, as those in the church, we should not shy away from that. You meet people that have had bad experiences as a father. We, we can't tiptoe around it, but in love say, God is a good father. <clears throat> he wants you to know him as father. Because Jesus said in John fourteen seven, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. It's simple. If you struggle with seeing God as father, we can pray. You can look at the scriptures. This week I've been... <clears throat> Spending time in John 17, it's called the High Priestly Prayer. It's a bit, you know, been preached on many times. But actually reading John 17 from the point of view of here is Jesus having intimacy with his Father, it is phenomenal. It's blessed me tremendously. And not only God and Jesus having intimacy with one another, but praying for the broken world, praying for people who are going to come into relationship with them as well they weren't just enjoying themselves selfishly Jesus heart was father bring them in bring those you've called to join us that they can come in and join with this amazing relationship in Matthew's gospel Jesus starts with our father very countercultural, of course because today it's all about me how do I feel what's my opinion do I like it on Facebook do I vote for these people? It's all about me. That's the world we live in, <clears throat> which is very different to the uh, world two generations ago in the war when it was all about we're all together. It wasn't about individuals, but we're now in a very individualistic world. But before time began, the Godhead was and is in perfect union. They were in a our relationship. And God wants to draw us in to that relationship with him. Three in one. God, Jesus and Jesus and the Holy Spirit and his relationship with God the Father are modeling, modeling what we can be together. See, Jesus didn't die for individuals in that sense. Yes, he did die for you. Jesus died for me. That is correct. But also Jesus died to have a body. It says that we are the bride of Christ. But the problem is, there are lots of little brides all running around because they've been upset by the church or hurt or whatever. But God has called us to be a glorious bride. That's a decision. Jesus says in, in, in Revelation 19:7, it is the bride of Christ. We are one. It is our. It is together. 
That's why being together is so difficult. That's why I irritate so many of you. Because we have to learn to get on with one another. Because it demonstrates something of God when I lay down my life for the love of my brother and sister. Amazing. That really speaks to the world because the Bible does say, by their love, they will see that you're disciples. As we love one another, as we work it out with one another, I believe that demonstrates love. So from the standpoint of God's sovereignty, from the standpoint of his fatherhood, we can pray, let your kingdom come. But the kingdom's coming anyway, isn't it? So why, why do we need to bother praying that? Because there are two kingdoms. There is the kingdom of light, the kingdom of God. Hooray. Hooray. And the kingdom of darkness with the devil. Boo. <laughs> Colossians 1.12. And in the notes, I've got it wrong because it's Colossians 1.13. It says, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and he has transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son. Isn't that incredible? I thought I just came to the front and said, Jesus, sorry for everything I've done wrong. Something cataclysmic has happened. Cataclysmic has happened. There are two kingdoms. If you look at the ministry of Jesus, you look at the ministry of, of the Acts of the Apostles, you can see that they are constantly battling against the forces of darkness. Tell you why? Because the devil hates you and he hates God. And the only way that the devil can get at God is by getting at us. Serious stuff. Don't like talking about the devil, but sometimes we have to just just get it out there and say it how it is. But when we know that we have the security of God as our Father, God as an our Father, we know that we're not in the battle alone. We can fight together. We can pray that we will not be led into temptation. Isn't that amazing that God says, pray, Lord, lead us not into temptation. Don't let us be led there. And the little thought I had for myself, well, if Jesus said that, perhaps I ought to do that. (laughs) Actually pray it. This is so crucial that when we pray, let your kingdom come. It brings the kingdom of God into our own lives. We heard earlier about you know, the kingdom of God is for the church to go out. And, 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 and that's right. But also the church is individuals. It has to start in me, in us, and then to the world. Because the, the kingdom of God in us, it's God's throne and his rule should be in us. Lord, every decision I make... Every choice I make, let your kingdom come. Let me make a godly kingdom decision. Because it is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Isn't that amazing? Christ in you, the hope of glory. There's lots of scriptures for this. They're all on the notes, so please just look them up because time's limited. So Jesus encourages us. Firstly, he says... Pray for God's rule and reign to come into your own life. There was a godly man called George Eldon Ladd. I've been enjoying his book this week, The Gospel of the Kingdom. And he says this. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This prayer is a petition for God to reign, to manifest his kingly sovereignty and power, and put to flight Every enemy of righteousness. 
and of his divine rule that God alone may be king over all the earth. Do you find the devil whispers you sometimes? Tells you you're rubbish? Or is it only me? Tells you you're no good? It's never happened to you, Barb, I know. Never, never. Nobody likes you in the church. You're not very popular. You made that mistake and they're not going to ask you to do this again. He lies to us. The battle is in here. Other Christians, bit, bit superior really. People are broken, but well, I just increased my tithing because broken people, it's their fault because they live that way. No. This is what the devil does. He whispers to us and he isolates us as well. He makes you think you're the only one. Now God does the same. He, think, he makes you feel like you're the only one in his love. But the devil will isolate us. So Jesus prayed, lead us not into temptation. Jesus didn't back off from it. Did you know that temptation is not sin? Go on, very quiet. David, my friend, my only friend out there. <laughs> Temp- temptation is not sin. But Jesus was tempted, but he dealt with temptation based on his greater desire not to break fellowship with his father. It's a real refreshment for me for having a religious background where if you're tempted and you sin, it's kind of, oh, I mustn't, rather than, Father, I don't want to break my relationship with you, so I'm not going to steal that Mars bar because, because I'll break my relationship with you. And although I really fancy a Mars bar, I don't. <laughs> no, it's about not wanting to break our fellowship. And yet, if we do break our fellowship through sin, John, in 1 John 1, 9, says... If, if we confess our sin, God is faithful and just to forgive our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This Christianity is amazing, really, isn't it? It's a pretty good deal. God can cleanse us. In John 8, 1-11, one of my favorite scriptures is about adultery. Oh, sorry, shouldn't say that on Sunday. Jesus was bought a woman. We never know where the man was, do we? But Jesus was brought a woman caught in the very act of adultery. The Bible doesn't pull any punches. And the religious leaders chuck her before Jesus and go, ha ha. What does Jesus do? He gets down, getting down on my knees all week, every day. And he starts drawing in the sand. Now you can read the commentators who say that Jesus was writing scripture or he was doing this. Do you know what I think he was doing? He was averting his eyes. I think the Bible's very simple sometimes. Why? Because he didn't want to succumb to temptation. He then dealt in love and kindness with the lady, and they moved on. He kept himself pure. He didn't run away from the world. The guys in the church are going out to be street pastors. They're not just getting into a little prayer closet and staying there. They're getting out there. It's finding this balance, isn't it? Lord, lead us not into temptation to go into the broken world, but not to be tainted by the world. We need wisdom. Jesus had, at the beginning of his ministry, had various encounters with the enemy. And I've done some notes on that. If you want those, I can give those to you separately. But you can see how Jesus uses the word of God to overcome temptation of the enemy. Wherever the battles came for Jesus, he applied God's rule and God's reign first. He let the kingdom come in as he dealt with these things. 
we are in a spiritual battle. Do you think we're in a spiritual battle at Beacon? Yeah. No, we're not. Surely not. Oh, no, we're not. Things can happen. You know, I got my, my beauty face cream this morning, dropped it on the floor, went all over the carpet. You know, that's not the devil. That's just life. But let me tell you, stuff is kicking off in this church which has fingerprints or marks of the enemy having a bit of a pop. That's fine, because Jesus Christ is Lord. We keep our accounts short. We love one another. When I'm annoying, just love me and take me to one side as well and we'll work it through. Please don't, because there'll be a queue. (laughs) We work things through, but there is a battle. Do you find in your marriage, all of a sudden, it just goes... For no reason, dear, does it? <laughs> For no reason, it just goes. You say, What's going on? Sudden unexplained illness. Th- things that we know, many examples in the church at the moment. Our minds playing tricks on us. There is activity of the enemy around. And the Bible tells us that often the battle is in the mind. He's the prince of the power of the air. You can look at... No time for now, but there's 2 Corinthians 1 to 10. Uh, two, if Ephesians 2, 1 to 10 will give you a bit of a background on that. But our thought life is a battlefield for the enemy. It's an absolute battlefield. Not just with the fun sins, but the whole thing about feeling a lack of self-worth and not feeling wanted, not feeling part of it. That, that's a big part too, a big part. But remember, we have the mind of Christ. And the Bible tells us we can take every thought captive to Christ Lord Jesus here I am walking along Tankerton slopes this afternoon and I preached this morning and oh dear I think I overstepped the mark and I think people across to me and upset me and actually I think I'll probably be thrown out of the church now and it comes doesn't it it comes it comes but no take every thought captive to Christ Lord I'm weak I'm human I make mistakes Father if I did I'm really sorry hone my character help me but I know that I'm loved I know I'm in the beloved. I can let Steve down, but he still loves me. It's amazing. What a great deal in the world. We just have a go if someone lets us down, don't we? In the body, we love one another and lead one another through. Choosing not to succumb to temptation brings the kingdom into our lives. Yeah, let the kingdom come out there, but let it come in here first. (laughs) Has to be foundations. There's some fantastic stuff in Colossians 3, 1 to 10. And as I say, in Colossians 3, 2, it tells us we have the mind of Christ. It is kingdom language and it is warfare language. Yeah, we want to love Jesus. The time of worship was just movingly wonderful this morning. And it was precious, but it's warfare. It's warfare. Let your kingdom come. It affects decisions. It affects what you do with your life, where you live, relationships. Finances. I know lots of amens are going on in people's heads there. Back in 22 years ago, I left a well-paid job in management to go to Bible college. It cost me a lot of money. It cost me status, which is quite difficult when you're a young guy. It cost us a lot. But it was about a kingdom decision. It was about hearing God and not bigging me up, I just did what I sensed God was calling me to do. But it cost. You know, I'd have 
cold rice and marmite for breakfast so our children could have the food. And I know a lot of you guys have done that as well. Because it's a kingdom decision. Because it's, Lord, it's about your kingdom coming. After the Bible school, we were in a big, what would be termed successful church. Amazing ministry is coming out there, literally going more or less all around the world. It was great. But we decided that God was calling us to a small little church. And we went out there and we were there for 17 years. No kids work, no infrastructure. The phone went, it was usually for us. It was tough. We didn't have four of us putting out the equipment, we had one. It was tough, but it was a kingdom decision. Because kingdom decisions cost. Lord, let your kingdom come, let your will be done. It would have been great to stay in a big church. Ministries and opportunities and lead worship in front of seven, eight, nine hundred people. But that wasn't what it was about. Jesus, where do you want your kingdom extended? I want it extended in that little village 20 miles away. It costs. But the Bible says, forget not all his benefits. <laughs> people can look maybe from the outside at your life and go, well, that doesn't quite add up. But isn't there a peace inside? Can't you look at yourself in the mirror in the morning and go, well, Lord, I'm, I know I'm not perfect, but Father, I'm seeking to follow you. Let your kingdom come today, Lord, in my life, in my choices. Forget not all his benefits. <laughs> we heard this morning, have confidence in God's kingdom. I've got it down here. Very excited when I heard that. Have confidence in the gospel. We've been encouraged through Mike Betts, a relational mission, which is the kind of the, the, the auspices sphere. What's the latest word? Churches we're part of. But we can have confidence in the kingdom of God. We can pray for people with confidence. As Steve reminded us last week when John Wimber, he said, well, when we didn't pray for anybody, no one got healed. We prayed for everybody and some got healed. I just think that's a challenge. It challenges my theology because I think, well, actually, when Jesus went about and we should be believing every time and we should be getting it right, let's just chill out and follow Jesus. Chill out and follow. Let's just pray. Let's go for it. Let's just pray for people. Let's pray for one another that we might be healed. Just pray. Lord, let your kingdom come. You know, for dear people, let your kingdom come. Let your best, let your rule and reign come, come in the situations they're facing. I put here in my side notes, you know. We're going to pray, let your kingdom come. It's going to get messy, but let's have some fun making mess. <laughs> let's have some fun. Street passers, go out and have some fun. Cell leaders, let's have some fun. Let's chill out a bit. Let's just pray. Let's say, Father, let your kingdom come in our cell groups. Let your kingdom come in food bank. Let your kingdom come with the street passers. Let your kingdom come over Green Hill and these precious people out here that need to come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour. But the real key thing that I've come to, and I could not get away with it in my preparation, is this. And that's that I believe that for some today, God wants you to pray, your kingdom come and your will be done in the area of seeing God as Father. Really had that strongly on me. Now let me reinforce, this is an area of warfare, okay? Because the enemy does not want you to break through to know God as Father. He wants to keep you distant 
and have a distant relationship with God. Yeah, it can be good. I'm with God and I love a bit. The Holy Spirit tingles and Jesus is quite nice. But he wants the, the enemy wants to prevent you from coming into that remarkable freedom of knowing God as your heavenly father. Got a quote here from one of my favorites, John Piper, of course. He says this. Jesus can rebuild for you the meaning of fatherhood when he said in John 14, 9, he who has seen me has seen the father. The incarnation of the son of God was God's way of rebuilding the meaning of fatherhood for millions who could not know it any other way. The apostle John cherished what it was to have a heavenly father and to be a father. His gospel is radiant with the wonderful relationship between Jesus and his Father in heaven. Radiant. I'm very fortunate. I had a good earthly father. Godly man. Man of integrity. Lovely man. Had his weaknesses, of course, and shortcomings, but he was a very, very good man. So... I've never really struggled with the fatherhood of God. Yeah, God, great. I know he's good, he's reliable. But in 1984, just a few months after being filled with the Spirit, Julia and I were at a meeting, and we were singing the song, Father God, I Wonder. And it can become a bit of an anthem. We all get, oh, it's a bit Israeli and happy, good old days. And I can sometimes miss. But I sang that song, and something unspeakable happened inside me where I suddenly got it. Uh, God is my heavenly father. Not based on my good earthly father, I suddenly got it. As Adrian said the other day, can't can't put it into words. God, God did something by the revelation of his Holy Spirit in me where I suddenly saw God as Father, and it was phenomenal. So it's not just for those who've had bad fathering, which is what I've always thought. Actually, God can do something even for those of us who are fortunate and blessed to have good fathers. That's my heart, that God would reveal something in our hearts today by his Spirit of the fatherhood of God. We can pray, let Your kingdom come, Father, in our lives. Let your rule, let your reign come in me. And let that come from a place of relationship, with a good relationship, clear relationship. God as Father, Jesus as Son, and God the Holy Spirit. I genuinely believe that there are breakthroughs available today. It says in Hebrews, I think three times, today, if you hear his voice, Do not harden your heart. I think he was saying that to the people of God. I say to myself, Julian, today if I hear God's voice, don't harden your heart. I want a revelation of the Father heart of God again. The Father, I want that revelation because that's part of his kingdom coming. Then when I seek to serve in whatever, my motivation will be out of my relationship with my Father my love for the hour, my brothers and sisters, and being equipped by his spirit to serve. 
I believe the Holy Spirit can reveal his Father heart to you today. I'll say to you, John. Thank you. Extremely helpful. I find that very, very.